Men have no right to decide what a woman does with her body concerning abortion. It's her body. Therefore, it's her choice. Have you ever said, heard, or believed such words? If so, is this a logical and even more importantly, a biblical worldview to hold? Join us today as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Once again, I'm Phil, the Bronx Expositor, with my co-host Glenn Roy, the West Indian wordsmith. Nick is joining us again, our Puerto Rican Puritan, and we have a special guest all the way from the West Coast, my friend and brother in Christ, Mark Spence. How are you doing today, Mark? Oh man, I'm I'm blessed. You know, thank you so much. Yeah, well, it's good to join you guys. It's probably pretty cold over there on the East Coast compared to over here. I think it's 70, 75 degrees. Yeah, I think it's probably in the 40s over here or dropping because I think it's about to snow at some point or sleet or we're getting some kind of cold weather coming in. Nice. <laughs> Speak for yourself. It's about it's about 80 inside my house uh, right now. Well, that's because you know where Glenroy is from. He's from uh, Jamaica, right around the corner. I take it wherever <laughs> I go. Just, uh, just, just for the record, I hope it, I hope it's a blizzard. Oh, great, Nick! You can come over and help me shovel. <laughs> on, on the West Coast, yeah, that'd be nice. Less pe- <laughs> let, people call nine one one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Nick is an EMT, so he's out saving the world. Nice. Uh, yeah, when he's not uh, preaching and teaching. So, <laughs> well, amen. So, Mark, how long have we known each other for? I, we, we met in at the Brooklyn Jeremiah Cry Conference. How long ago was that? Ooh, uh, when was that? Several years ago. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, would that be 10 years? Probably at least. But, you know, you got better looking since the last time, you know, over 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, brother. So um, for those of you that don't know Mark Spence, um, uh, Mark, uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, I am the senior vice president, whatever that means, at uh, Living Waters with uh, Ray Comfort and Emil Zwayne. We, We have a podcast ourselves called the living waters podcast we also have a television program called the way of the master we have a youtube channel that just hit a million subscribers yesterday we're grateful for that we can inspire christians uh, glorify god uh, equip the church and reach the lost is our desire um what else? Yeah, uh, we have an online school, Biblical Evangelism, about 25,000 
uh, students that we're equipping uh, really in the basics of evangelism. That's biblicalevangelism.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, what else you want to know? Yeah, well, I, I, I took the biblical evangelism uh, course and it, it was definitely excellent. And I still use, uh, well, I mean, we train people um, with that methodology. And we, I mean, we know it's not new, um, yeah. but uh, definitely uh, appreciated how you guys really made all of the use of the law very practical um you know uh for such a time as this so uh been very grateful because your ministry uh touched me all the way back when i was in bible college and i had what ray called evangelical frustration why are people getting saved and unsaved all the time altar calls sinners prayers and i was wondering like when does christianity stick and and people don't like walk away and come back like i think i called it yo-yo christianity so um yeah it's really been uh just such a blessing. Uh, yeah, your ministry has really, it, it came at just such the right time in my life. And um, it has, it has ever been uh, a tremendous uh, help just overall um, in, in doing evangelism and in doing uh, discipleship and for the worship of God. So it's, uh, you guys are here to stay in my own heart. Um, and you're a husband, you're a father. Uh, how many kids you have? 20. Was it? Oh no, <laughs> your son, five, turned, five your kids. son turned 21. You got five kids. Yeah. My, my oldest son turned 21. He just recently moved out. He's getting married here in uh, July, just okay. a, a short time away. And then we have, uh, four kids at home and I, we, we have a, we live in a small house. Hence why I'm in the car because okay. it's loud in the house and it's not always just our kids that are in the house. So, gotcha. The house is always filled with people. Okay. Okay. So husband, father, vice president. Um, and what do you do at your church? Is there any particular thing? Yeah, well, I, I was overseeing evangelism. Uh, now I am just simply uh, attending and then teaching wherever uh, there's a hole, wherever there's uh, a need for me to teach. I, I love my pastor, Philip DeCourcy. Um, listen to them online. If you, if you're over there on the East coast, kindredchurch.org uh, is, okay. uh, the church. My, my pastor's an, an amazing expositor. I'm so mm. grateful to God for him. And, uh, he is actually out of town right now, uh, preaching with, uh, Steve Lawson in, uh, Texas, but he'll be back uh, this upcoming weekend, Lord willing. Okay. Yeah. I think I've heard of Steve Lawson. No. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, you know, I often say if I learned um, evangelism from uh, your ministry, uh, I learned about expository preaching from Lawson's ministry. Um, so, yeah, what a what a blessing. So, um, so we've known each other for over ten years. You've shared about yourself a little bit, um, and so we've been uh, doing. Um, we've been focusing on uh, pro life and what's going on with all these murder mills. Um, and so we did a part one. And so I just wanted to actually ask you a couple of questions that, that we, um, addressed in part one and wanted to hear your perspective on these, uh, first two, um, why do you think that abortions are so prevalent, um, in this day and age, and especially even in our own country, which was founded on Judeo Christian principles? Well, we sacrifice babies on the altar of convenience, uh, don't we? And we have 
told a generation of people that uh, they have no value, hmm. right? Because there's two types of value. There's intrinsic value and there's instrumental value. We as Christians, we believe that all people in all places uh, everywhere have an intrinsic value. Imago Dei is the word that people are created in the image of God. Therefore, uh, they are worthy of dignity and respect, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their sexual orientation. Uh, every human being that has ever brought a shadow to this planet is worthy, uh, just by that fact, worthy to just have dignity. That's not to say that I haven't broken the law. Obviously, we our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked, but sure. no one human being is greater than the next human being. Well, we have seen within a very oppressive government since March of uh, 2020 that they have put a value on our heads at somewhere between $500 and $600 a head, saying this is how valuable you are through stimulus checks, stimulus packaging. And only people with instrumental value are able to go to work. Uh, you work in a restaurant or if here in California, if you work in a sex club, you work in a strip club, you work in a liquor store, well, then you have value, you have instrumental value. So therefore, you're allowed to go to work. Mm -hmm. But our oppressive government under uh, Gavin Newsom is my governor, sure. uh, has not allowed by and large a lot of people to go to work. And this is a problem. And the problem is because ever since we were little, we were taught that our identity is found in what we do, right? Yes. What do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? Well, I want to be a pilot or I want to be a doctor, right? We found our value, our identity and what we can do. So here's the problem, right? We look at George Floyd, who died at the hands uh, there in Minneapolis of some police officers. What, who knows who's at fault, right? I, I know we have a judicial system that has attempted to answer that question, but our society says that he's only valuable because of this revolution, right or wrong, that has come forth. Sure. And now he's only valuable in his death. Yes. But as the Christian comes along, we say, no, he was valuable even before he died because he was created in the image of God. Well, when we treat babies as a nuisance, because all people now have only an instrumental value, if you're an electrician, you can come to my house and do some electrical work. And if you're not an electrician, well, what can you do? Oh, nothing? Well, you have no value to me or to the world. You, you're just as, well, you'd be dead to me. Well, babies in the womb have no instrumental value. So mothers can discard that baby at the rate of 42 million last year alone worldwide, or 63 million since Roe v. Wade, January 20th, 1973. And we'll just get a new child when we're ready. Right. That's the problem. So we can discard uh, the children because they have uh, only... And uh, they lack an instrumental value, so therefore we can get rid of them, but they don't have the intrinsic value, which we know they really do if we follow the Judeo-Christian uh, worldview. Yeah, yeah. And um, if we have an opportunity, if Glenn's able to do this, maybe we could put a link to the video that you just sent me recently. Um, I was able to springboard off that video. We went to the abortion clinic two Saturdays ago, I believe. Nick, was it two Saturdays ago? Or last Saturday, uh, last Saturday, last, last Saturday. Saturday. And so, Mark, you, I, I saw your video where you asked the uh, the BLM guy in the street, was George Floyd's life valuable, you know, while he was living or after he died? He said both. And so I asked the question uh, to the escorts that were out there, um, you know, was his life valuable uh, while he was living? 
before he died, was his life valuable while while Mrs. Floyd was pregnant with him? Like, what if somebody would have killed Mrs. You know George Floyd while Mama was pregnant with him? Is that okay? Yeah. So anyway, your video made me kind of think on on that and ask that question the in the womb question and kind of connect it all together. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. You know, I was just in. Uh, we just released a video a few days ago, like four or five days ago, and it has almost 160,000 views where I came across a woman. She was with her boyfriend. The guy brought up the subject of abortion. I started to talk about the subject of abortion, and she said that she felt very uncomfortable because it's a woman's issue, to which I was very tempted to say, because she said, I don't feel comfortable surrounded by all men. I said, are you assuming our gender? Right. Being in California where gender is fluid, but I didn't do that, you know, because though you can win an argument, you don't win the soul. We need to be uh, gentle and gracious and kind with our words. But she said that I was mansplaining to which I wanted to say, well, what is mansplaining? And then the moment she explains what mansplaining is, I would ask, are you womansplaining? (laughs) Right. But But, that's okay. That's always okay. Yeah, that's right. That would and be then okay. Ricky Ricardo popped up and said, Lucy, you got some explaining. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's, yeah. You know, uh, I know you're very good with logic and uh, and apologetics as well. You know, people don't take their arguments or their logical conclusions. Um, so why do you think that there seems to be so much silence from preachers and churches on this issue? I mean, if we're supposed to be the voice of morality, uh, the voice of the gospel and the culture, why do you think so many churches are silent? Well, I, I don't think I can presume upon why a certain pastor does a certain thing, right? If a, okay. a pastor feels his calling is simply to exposit the text from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, he's not going to be discussing it every time. Like, I don't think that sure. one needs to share the gospel in every setting where the pastor's simply going through uh, expositing through a book, exegeting something there. Um, I, I know my pastor discusses it. Ray's pastor, Bruce Garner, he discusses it. And I think within my circles, we all discuss it. It's it's heavy on our hearts. It's dear uh, to us. So we do it. Why do other pastors do it? I, 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 I'm, I don't know, right? I, I would like to say because they're cowards, right? But I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I think that I... I'm willing to give a mulligan to people who don't just like I'm willing to give a mulligan to pastors who don't open or preach or who don't regularly share their faith or when they mess up on a text, I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, all I know is, man, I, I want to be that man who does, who's not silent that Diedrich Bonhoeffer, you know, I, I want to be, perhaps a social reformer in the midst of chaos and allow the Lord to take care of them, whoever they are. And when they want to become equipped, well, here we are to equip you if you want to be equipped. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, did you have something this? I saw you unclick your mic there. Oh, no, no. I'm just listening. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there is a tendency with everything to kind of attack the other side and, I think, you know, as leaders, it starts with us. And, and, and I think if we speak out more, people will join. And, and that's, that's kind of where we have to start. Yeah. So, when, uh, Mark, when did you first get involved with biblical pro-life ministry? 
And what do you mean by biblical? Right. So, yeah, good question. So we have groups that are pro-life but they're, they're not believers and their focus is not on the gospel and people coming to Christ. They just don't want to see babies die. And where we'd agree with them on that point, um, you know, they, Good. their focus is not wanting people to, to be saved and to know Christ and really see that this baby is the Imago Dei of God, like you mentioned before. And so we want to see the, the physical life saved, but also the spiritual life saved as well. We want to see that people re, be regenerated and come to Christ and, and find yes. forgiveness in Jesus. So, yeah. um, you know, so I'm glad. Yeah. Thanks for that distinction. Right. Sure. Because the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. I remember when I was really young, uh, holding a pro-life sign out on a very busy street called beach Boulevard there in Huntington beach, uh, California, trying to get people to change their minds and, you know, really, uh, ready and willing to link arms with anybody and everybody that was pro-life. I produced a video um, many years ago that I had Ray at the heart of uh, the video. It's called 180. And it's a 33-minute documentary dealing with the American Holocaust of abortion. And I had a really well-known pastor friend that came to me and he said, hey, eliminate the gospel, which was 13 minutes of that 33 minute documentary. And he said, Hey, if you remove that, you will get a lot more people that will watch the video. And Ray and I, we looked at each other and we said, for comfort that is, we, we looked at each other and we said, we plan on putting this video up on YouTube. What if half a million people watched this video and they didn't get the gospel? Hmm. And now it's had more than 5 million people that have, that have watched this video and that have gotten the gospel. We don't want to just change their minds when it comes to abortion, because now what happens? They just, they practice safe sex, whatever that means. Right. No, they're still fornicating and no fornicator will inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Sure. So I don't, I, though I'm very pro-life, it's not at the expense of gospel centric truth because Christ must be at the heart of our message. I will often answer objections, but I'll get right back to the heart of the matter, which is, what are you doing with Christ? Yes. So what are you, how are you going to deal with your sin problem when you stand before a holy, sovereign God who is the judge of the universe, and you will bow one day and confess him as master? What are you going to do? Mm. Right? So we, we have to uh, get to that heart of the matter. When did that take place? That probably took place about... Uh, 25 years ago i would say hmm. yeah so maybe what, close to 30 gotcha so what moves your heart to get involved with this kind of a ministry well it's the heart of god right i mean i, I want to bring hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless i want to be a voice to the voiceless i want every fiber within me to be used by god right my eyes are not my own my ears are not mine uh, nothing is mine. My, my family is not mine. So if God desires to move or to remove any of these things inside my life, then that's his prerogative. But when you consider that every day people are dying with America's Holocaust, and really worldwide. I mean, we saw in November 2019 Planned Parenthood arguing before Congress for infanticide. That, that blows my mind. I went on a local college campus here and I videotaped it with hidden cameras to get people, if they would sign my petition, 
to legalize post-birth abortion, which is infanticide. Mm. And people are so progressive here in California that they did uh, sign my petition. And that's actually going inside of a uh, pro-life film that I have coming up uh, in January of next year. Uh, so I'm releasing a pro-life video up on our YouTube channel, Living Waters, every other week. So 20 more videos uh, until um, the pro-life film is released. And that's one of the little segments is people signing this petition. It, it's absolutely insanity. And so people live in as if there's no God. They're in for a rude awakening as they kill the preborn. Well, then they can kill the newborn and then exterminate the teenagers and the elderly alike. Sure. Where does it end? Right. Right. Once you devalue life before it even started, why can't you have life continue to be devalued afterwards? I mean, what's the difference? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Nick, you had a verse, I believe, that you had used. Proverbs 31.8. Okay, here it is. Proverbs 31. Have you used this one, Mark? Proverbs 31, verse 8 says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. It's a good verse. I think it should be canon. Canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you used that verse before? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, that, that, that obviously is a motivating factor yeah. in uh, what we do, for sure. Got it. What, what, are, what are some other um, kind of go-to Bible verses that you use? Um, Exodus 23.7, right? Do not kill the innocent. Or just Exodus 20, I think it's verse 13, where it just says, you shall not murder, right? So I think that there's one fundamental question that just needs to be asked with, when the, with this conversation. Well, what is the preborn? Because right. once we answer that question, then that will affect all the objections that are going to come our way. You know, for example, if imagine it was a, a Saturday morning, Phil, and you have your child from the other room crying out to you saying, daddy, daddy, can I kill it? Can I kill it? You'd probably respond with, well, kill what? What's it? <laughs> yeah. What, what is it? What are we talking about? If he said, well, it's a cockroach, dad, can I kill the cockroach? You'd respond with, yeah, kill the cockroach, clean it up before mama wakes up and don't show your sister, Sally. If on the other hand, if he says it is my sister, Sally, can I kill Sally? She's driving me crazy, dad. You would wake up your spouse in a frenzy, call up the pastor <laughs> wanting to have some intervention, right? So even so, before we can answer, if we can kill the preborn, we need to answer, well, what is it? Right. And if it is a distinct human being created in the image of God, then there is not one valid reason as to why we may kill it, because it's not a thing, it's a person. It's right. a he or a she. Hmm. Well, amen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, these questions are crucial. And sometimes these simple questions are questions that nobody's asking because people are just um, p- people that are pro-choice or pro-murder are just spouting off the talking points from uh, liberal media and just regurgitating them. But when you stop and ask them a question and make them think and make them answer that question, and sometimes they haven't even thought and don't know how to articulate what's going on. And so it's good to, you know, you're trying to speak to the conscience of people and get them to use their, 
you know, their, their, their logic to define their terms, apologetics 101, right? Define your terms. You asked before, what does it mean to be biblically pro-life um, as opposed to just being, you know, pro-life, uh, not biblically? Um, yeah, well, thank you for those verses and, and, that, and those questions and that, you know, just that rationale. Um, so what do you say when, when someone says, well, it's a woman's right, not a man's right? You know, a man can't speak to this. Well, we live in a day and age where uh, gender is fluid, right? So since you don't have a uterus, you don't get to have a say. But at the same time, even though you don't have a uterus, you can still be a female. <laughs> well, listen, you can't have your cake and eat it as well, right? Bear in mind that when Roe v. Wade was uh, constructed there in 1973, we had all men that... Um, presided on the case seven men yeah. gave us the right to be able to have abortion yep uh two dissented but seven said no i think abortion should be okay well if men don't get to have a say well then we need to overturn roe v wade because it was all men that decided that right remember it was men that gave women the right to be able to vote when only five percent of the women actually wanted to vote so men decided that right right so uh, it's, it's not, it is not a male issue or a female issue. I'll take a step further. Let me say this. If somebody says men do not get to have a voice, I would actually believe it or not agree with them. I don't think men should have a voice when it comes to abortion. I don't think women should have a voice when it comes to abortion. We're trying to decide something that has already been decided. God has already said that you shall not murder, Exodus 20, 13. And because he's already said that, so then what are we discussing, mm. right? It's like our Supreme Court has attempted to redefine marriage. You cannot redefine marriage between two men or two women or 10 men and a dog. You cannot do that because it's already been defined by the greatest source of authority. So men really should not have a say, but neither should women have a say. Mm. This is You're short-circuiting the conversation. Whew. That, that, that gets two amens, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to use this stuff out on the streets, Mark. I hope we can uh, double down on this with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just so simple and logical and it, that's what we need, yeah. you know, just simple, logical, you know, cut through all the minutia and just get right down to it. And, and again, like what you're saying right now, uh, this is what uh, it sounds like and looks like and smells like to say being biblically pro-life. That's right. Uh, men, it's not about men having a say or women having a say. It's a God has already said he, he spoke before the world began. And as far as I know, uh, his words are eternal and his words are sure. Men's words go up and down like a roller coaster. They, they'll change tomorrow like the weather. But God's words, I mean, they, they can't be thwarted. So, a, amen. Uh, thank you for uh, you know, just uplifting the gospel and the word of God in, in that way. Um. A woman says very similarly, um, it, it's a woman's body. It's her choice. And maybe, Nick, you could chime in on this, too, because I know you're an EMT uh, as well. And so being a medical guy. But let's let Mark start on that. Yeah, well, it's never been about choice. It's about escaping the choice that a woman has made. We need to begin to define our terms because the word uh, choice has been hijacked into uh, that conversation. Right. So we need to get past the euphemisms and ask them the choice to choose what? What are we talking about? Well, 
to end another human being's life who is supremely innocent, right? Because listen, we're all very pro-choice, right? Uh, choose the college you want to go to, choose to have tattooed makeup, choose a salad over a steak if you want bad choice, but your choice. You can choose whatever you want to choose. A, a, a true choice is an ice cream flavor. Now, there's also places where I think the government oversteps the ground. I think that Really, people should be able to wear a helmet when they're riding a bike or not. I think that's your choice. I think that you should be able to choose whether or not you want to drink alcohol or not or wear a seatbelt or not. But when I ask people out on the street, should people be able to drink alcohol? They say, yeah. Should people be able to drive? Yeah. Should people be able to drink and drive? They say no. And I said, well, why not? It's their choice. They said, well, because you can harm someone. Aha. Uh -huh. That's what it gets down to. Right. What is it that we're talking about? And if we're talking about a human being, well, then we cannot choose to uh, to kill those people. So uh, and there's a lot of things that women cannot choose to do, even if it's their own body. In most states, you cannot choose to prostitute your body. You cannot choose to um, commit suicide, even though it's your body or sell your organ to the highest bidder. Right. Our government is legislating morality to some degree. To which we say, oh, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah, you know. Um, so a lot, a lot to say about that, but I'll let Nick uh, chime yeah. in or Glenn or whoever. Nick, anything on that? Glenn, anything on that? Well, one of the things I always say is, you know, we always they say my body, my choice is if it's a part of your body. If we saw a woman just cutting off her fingers every, you know, every nine months, every other every other year, just saying, you know, I don't like this finger. I'm going to chop it off. We would call her insane. We would, we would, we would, we would say, "Hey, we need to restrain her from doing this. She's harming herself." But in our society, that's okay. That's her choice. She can do with her, you know, dismember parts of her body at any time she wants. And I, even if you just take it at that face value, it, it's nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah. What can I say? My money, my choice. When it comes yeah. to the conversation. Right. Right. Exactly. You, you figure if a if a father does not take care of their child, they're called a deadbeat dad. But if a woman doesn't want to take care of her child, she's paraded around as being this feminist hero. She's, she's no. responsible, making the right decision, you know, uh, victim, all these are all the different words. That's right. Yeah. Nick, anything on that? I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. <laughs> I'm just sitting here learning. I mean, I, I could think about saying is that it's inconsistent saying uh it's my body it's my choice because we just we just been going through this whole you know vaccine mandation bit mm -hmm. and um women are standing up for their choice for what they do with their body but um the argument for some reason um is inconsistent because you know all of a sudden we can't do what we want and, and make the same choices for our bodies, right? I have to get a vaccine. Otherwise, you know, I, I can't feed my family. For so, some reason, somehow, some way, you know, that choice doesn't, you know, go over into the whole van, you know, vaccine mandation thing. You yeah. Know? And also, if we really look at it, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's, it's not your body. I mean, you, you, you've been given stewardship over it, but it's not your body. It's another body. You know, that that does not have a voice that is dumb and and that you're, you know, you're taking into your hands 
um, what what belongs to God, the decision as to whether that baby lives or dies. Another That's thought right. is another thought is in in this environment where we say that they're saying that at five years old we have to give you a vaccine, and if a mother doesn't want to do that, she's irresponsible. She, you know, there's something wrong with the fact that she doesn't want to inject her child. A, a pregnant woman should inject the child. It's actually safe for the baby, but they're just saying it's her body, her choice. And so it, 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 it's one of these arguments. We are making a biblical argument that God has given intrinsic value to every single human being. And then they're adding all these caveats to it. And it doesn't even make sense even when you apply to the, to the things that they like. Yeah, that's like, right. Good, Mark. Well, I was in Huntington Beach on the pier and I asked a guy, I go, you believe that it's her body, her choice. Do you actually believe that it is her body? Right, because if she's pregnant with a male, well, then she's half male, half female. You believe that she has 20 fingers, right? If she's pregnant with two twin males, well, then she's mostly male. I mean, is that really your argument, right? And truth of the matter is, uh, that is absurd to the highest degree. But I had a guy on camera that'll be inside the film that says, yeah, I believe that she has uh, 20 fingers and I believe that she's mostly male. Oh, my went, goodness. That's insanity. Check, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, your your heart, your lungs, your bones. I mean, they don't they, they don't come out of your body after a certain period of time and then live on their own. But yeah. you know, if we were our mother's body, then then why are we not still our mother's body? Right? We yeah. should still be our mother's body, and <laughs> and then yeah. you know, we're all somehow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's illogical. Um, Bear in mind that it would be double homicide if a pregnant mother is murdered, showing that there's two babies or there's two people, two human beings there. Or if a mother's on death row, she cannot be put to death yes. if she's pregnant because there's two people there. So the, the state recognizes that there's a life inside the mother. Yeah, And it's funny because like you were saying, um, you know, you, you, you force somebody to remain consistent with their worldview and then they start looking absurd. And even if they realize it, their pride will, will force them to remain consistent and they will just look more and more absurd, you know, and they, and they have to agree. Otherwise, then they have to admit that, you know, what they're standing on is, is nothing but sand. But, but I, I get, once again, as I go back to the biblical argument, it's, it's, it's sin is irrational. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, we go back to, 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 to Psalms two. It's like the peoples of the world are going against God and the Lord and his anointed. It's the creator of the universe who's in control of all things. We're kind of shoved, you know, snubbing our noses at him and saying he cannot do what he can do, that he doesn't have the authority that he already has. And, this is one of the issues that we have. And I know we, you know, we also can fall short because we're not perfect ourselves, but it's just a clear thing. And I've had people with multiple children telling me they stand by the right to have an abortion. And I say, but your children wouldn't be here if you follow that rule. You know, I wouldn't be here. We talked about last time. I wouldn't be here if you follow that rule. And you might not be here if you follow that rule. It's just, it's a very irrational thing, you know, and I, it, it, it's one. And I think that's why we have to keep it grounded in the book, the gospel, because that is where this stems, but it's a big enough issue that we should bring it alongside. But the reason why it makes sense is because they do not understand the relationship we have with God. 
Yeah. So, Mark, if I could ask you a question, um, I've been at work kind of, uh, I've, I've been brought to like situations at work where I'm interviewing a patient and, um, you know, sometimes that, you know, some patients a lot, oftentimes we get pregnant women. So we, there's a set of questions that we should ask, you know, one, one to be able to present, uh, you know, and give, and give good information to the nurse at the hospital and also for ourselves. So we know what to look out for and what may be going on. And, and one of the questions is that we ask, you know, is, you know, if you've had any abortions in the past um, and obviously some of them are, are spontaneous because uh, women that are high risk and so on and so forth. But, you know, I've come across women that have had up to like six to eight abortions, Ooh. you know, and I get, you know, like, I think the last one, when I heard them say like eight abortions, I, I was, I was like left speechless. So my question is really like in those situations, I know you're at work. So if I kind of just, you know, what do you say about, you know, addressing somebody who has had eight abortions and you're, and basically that you're at work while you're doing it, where you could, you could get in trouble for doing so. So how would you um, do or respond? Well, to the that? first thing I would do is I'd pray for wisdom and God gives wisdom to all of his children liberally, just trusting that God is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. If I'm working a secular job, I'm going to be the best employee that employer has ever seen. And when you have the ability to at work, speak about non-work related issues while you work, then you can talk about anything you want while you work, right? So they cannot stifle your freedom of speech. So in other words, if I'm working and I'm doing my job and it is okay for somebody to talk about <clears throat> what cruise they just went on, that's non-work related. Well, our constitution allows us and protects us to talk about other peripheral issues as well. Right. Bear in mind, I'm going to be the best employee. You can set up any rule you want, but it doesn't usurp the Constitution, which is the freedom of speech. I've been shut down by the police many times while I've been out open air preaching or uh, leafleting. And they said, you can't do that here because there's rules. And I said, well, I've got rules, too. Who wins? Right. So I'm going to be the best employee and I'm going to share the gospel and share the truth unashamedly. Uh, if I have the ability to be able to do that. And now, what would I actually say to a woman who's had eight abortions? I might tell them, you know, you'll never be able to move forward from this, as move on from this. You'll never be able to move on from this, but you can move forward. There's a difference. It's like telling somebody who's, who's lost a child or has lost a spouse, have you moved on yet? What an insane thing to say, an insensitive thing to say to someone. But how are you moving forward with this? Because, I mean, if every idle word a man speaks, he's going to have to give an account of in the day of judgment. How much more the shedding of, of innocent blood? You're going to have to give an account there. So I will try to relate to the person and then create an opportunity to swing from the natural realm into the spiritual realm and allow them to know, hey, listen, there is forgiveness found in Christ. And I'm going to allow the cards to fall where they may. Now, bear in mind, I am the best employee this employer has ever seen inside their life. I remember I was working at a, on a job once and he said, Mark, you can't talk about God. And I said, you talk about God all the time. He goes, I do not. I go, you just did. 
when he used his name in vain. Right. And I said, listen, you talk about God all the time. Mm. And so as long as you do, I am as well. And be careful by telling me what I can and can't do because uh, I'm going to stand up for my rights. Yeah. Right. So that's good. And, and Nick, I, I would just also, I agree with everything he said, but I also, I would also say, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, I would yep. treat it as what it is, as a, as a murder, as a loss. And I think one of the things that get lost sometimes when we talk to these people is so everyone's not like politically minded, you know, and we, we are all a product of our environment. I would say, Hey, they have, you have to speak about it as you view it. It's in truth. It's a loss. It's something, it's a murder that occurred, even though they're the ones who, who, who um, initiated it. There is a loss that is felt when you murder, but God said there's a consequence to that. And I would start it with there and, and, and react the way she reacts and bring out the thing. And I said, move it from the natural to the supernatural in the sense that this is a loss, you know, for someone to go about doing that eight times, there's something missing there, you know, and there's something that you need to address as the, the, per the only person that's probably ever going to bring it to her in that light. That's yeah. A, that that's a that's a dope way to start it off. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. sorry for your loss. That's like yeah, yeah as a know. mother of as 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 a mother of uh, eight deceased children, is there any other things we need to know about yeah. your medical history? Yeah, and just kind of bringing that to them, you yeah. know, and bringing that reality to them. Because I even had an extremely liberal professor that uh, said that she was the mother of. Uh, two children that, that were lost during childbirth and she was extremely liberal. And I was like, at that time, I, I had never heard anybody put it that way before, but now looking wow. back, I was like, wow, as liberal as she was like, that was more of a biblical perspective on the way she put it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You're still, you're still a mother. You're just now the mother, mother of eight dead children. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there you go, Nick, you can ask, you can, you know, use it as a springboard and ask good questions in the context um yeah it's you good. know and listen the socratic method is very successful that's yes. where you answer a question with a question and i train my kids i have four kids in college i train my kids to not question everything that the professor is going to throw their way and challenge them rather on everything that they say but ask good questions because a good question will cause critical thinking right uh greg bonson was really great at teaching his students the Socratic method, so much so that one of his students actually asked the question, why do you always answer our questions with a question? To which he responded, <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> it gets them to think through what they're asking. Yeah, or why do you think I always do that? <laughs> yeah. Very good, very good. No, that's important. And, and, and I hear you doing that very skillfully, Mark. And, um, you know, we, we definitely need to do that. We've done that at times, but the, the asking the right questions are important too, right? So we can be good at asking questions, but we need to ask the right questions. And therefore we need to pray and we need to ask God for wisdom. Like you said before, God, give me the wisdom to ask the right questions. And again, with the right heart uh, behind it, because we want to, we want to be wise as serpent, gentle as doves, as we share the truth in love. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. What do you do? And I, I you, you kind of hit this a little bit before, but I don't know if there's anything you want to expound further on it. Somebody says, you know, it's a fetus. 
It's a clump of cells. It's not a baby. Well, it is a fetus, right? I mean, you didn't come from a fetus. You were a fetus. The question, fetus just simply means little one. Right. What kind of a fetus is it? Right. Is it a canine fetus? Right. Because canines have fetuses. Right. right? It, it, what? It's like saying, you know, it's, it's not a human being. It's just a teenager. Oh. Right. So a, a fetus mm. doesn't say what it is. It says when it is. Remember that. So a fetus Good. is when the human being is still inside the womb. So once again, I just say, you know, like, like, why are we speaking Latin right now? You speak English. Why do you bring up the Latin? It's right. a preborn human being. It's a preborn baby. Right. So I tend That's to go good. that direction or it's a clump of cells where well, you're a clump of cells as well. Right. Just a, a bigger clump of cells. And what kind of clump of cells is it? We look to the mom and the dad to determine what kind of a clump of cells it is. Right. Like I was my latest video. There's this lady saying, do you know that it's a human being? Did you talk? Did you talk to the fetus? I'm like, wait, that's your argumentation? Did, did I talk to the fetus? <laughs> right? I mean, I, I talked to my one-year-old. My one-year-old can't respond back. Can I kill the one-year-old? Right? I mean, it's, it's absolutely illogical. They're grasping for straws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think of it, Mark, like this, and I don't know if you ever heard this illustration. Remember on the on the ship where Jonah was and they were just trying to lighten up the ship and they just, they did everything they can to save themselves. They rode harder. Uh, they, they jettisoned all the cargo. And so their worldview, they're just trying to do anything um, that they know um, even as foolish as it is, even if it can't save anything or help in any way, they'll, they'll, they'll just row harder in the wrong direction and throw anything out um, at the time. Yeah. I often will ask people, would you consider yourself to be an open-minded individual? Do you respect other people's beliefs? When they say, yeah, I go, well, I'd love to hear what you have to say, what you believe. And then they share it and go, hey, I just want to thank you for being so open-minded. Let me share with you what I believe now. And then if they get heated, go, I'm sorry, I thought you said that you were an open-minded individual. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes their, their, their own worldview betrays them. That's right. Um, yeah. Like the professor that uh, read a paper uh, uh, written by, I, I might've heard this from Ray Comfort. I'm not sure. He said there was a kid who wrote a paper um, denying uh, that anything is fair, that fairness doesn't exist. And so the professor gets the paper. It was turned in a blue folder and he writes F and the kid goes, you know, you know, what's the deal? You know, I backed up all my sources and I made a good argument. He goes, I just don't like blue folders. And the kids said, that's not fair. <laughs> so, I mean, their worldview just betrays them because they can't sustain it because it's not a biblical worldview. That's right. Well, what about this? Um, well, you know, you're not in the woman's shoes. And so, therefore, it's going to be an inconvenience for her and not for you. It's going to be an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, that's. Teenagers are by and large an inconvenient part of my life. Can I kill them when they, you know, become problematic? <laughs> you know, it, it's not convenient to wake up in the middle of the night to feed a child. It's not convenient to be sick and still go to work because you have to provide for your family. It's not convenient to wait at a red light. Can I just make up my own rules and laws? So we have to go back to the lawgiver. And the lawgiver, God, has explained things to us along with science 
that when a man and a woman come together, uh, they risk the chance of there being a third human being or more from that encounter. So Adam knew his wife and he produced a child. I knew my wife and I produced five children and it's just the way it works. But when people become expensive, we can't get rid of them. And when they become an inconvenience, we can't get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now I heard you do this one on one of your uh, apologetic segments on way the master. Um, you ought not judge because we hear that as well out of the abortion clinic when we're on the front lines. How do you respond to you ought not judge? Yeah, we, we actually discussed this on our podcast today, right? Uh, self-refuting statements. You shall not judge. The first thing I say, and I try to say it respectfully, is that your judgment. And the moment they say, yeah, that, that, that is my judgment. And I go, well, if it's wrong to judge, well, then why are you judging my judgment? Right. Remember, the Bible doesn't say you shall not judge. It says when you judge, use righteous judgment. I mean, let's yes. put it in its full context. I mean, we are to beware of false prophets you know, uh, wolves in sheep clothing. How can we beware of them unless we make a sound judgment? I might ask that individual, is rape wrong? Is bashing a seven-year-old's head in for fun, is that wrong? And the moment they say yes, they have set up a moral code. And now I would say, well, if there's no such thing as judging someone, then you can't judge someone who wants to bash in another person's head for fun or raping another individual. Is what Adolf Hitler wrong, you know, when he killed 10 million blacks, Jews, gypsies, and Christians? I mean, think about what he did for his society. He cleaned up brothels, got rid of brothels. He provided employment. He did a good job. Don't judge Adolf Hitler on what he did or Mao or Stalin. You know, I mean, it's, it's a silly argument. It's like somebody saying nobody's right. There's so many worldviews. Nobody's right. And I tend to say if nobody's right, I mean, are you right that nobody's right? Because if you are right about nobody being right, well, then you're wrong about nobody being right because you claim to be right. And that's just not right. Right. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. self-refuting statements where they fall on their own sword. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. That's, you know, obviously helpful. You just flip it on its head. Um, now, here's one I think that is uh, close to home for you. Um, people bring up, uh, what if the mother's life is in danger? Well, by virtue of the fact that you use the word mother, you're agreeing that she's a mom. Right. And in order to be a mom, there has to be a child, right? Just consider that for a moment, right? Uh, if the mother's life's in danger, also, this tells us that the mother doesn't go to Planned Parenthood. She goes to the ER. She goes to the emergency room. And when a mother goes to the emergency room, the first thing that they do, will they'll, they'll notify that there are two people here. Hmm. Now, if one of them dies because our technology is not there to be able to save the other, then the other one dies. But that is not an abortion. Right. Right. It's like, imagine you and I were sitting by a river and we see a mom, a woman floating down the water and she's holding onto a branch and she has her little child with her. Would it ever be okay for me to jump into the water, jump out, grab hold of the baby, and then dunk the mother's head under the water? Right. No, that, I mean, that's ludicrous. What I'm going to sure. attempt to do is save both. Yes. Right? Because if, 
you only saved one of them. You performed an abortion upon that mother who was floating down the water. No, that's ridiculous. Abortion is the willful murder of an innocent human being. Right. Right. And if the mother, if the mother's life's in danger, and if they're to term, which is right around 21 weeks, well, then you just deliver the baby through a C-section. Right. Right. So I, I think I, listen, I have a quote here. Let me try to find it from uh, yes. C. Everett Coop. He's a former U.S. Surgeon General. He said, protection of the life of the mother as an excuse for an abortion is a smokescreen. In my 36 mm. years of pediatric surgery, I've never known of one instance where the child had to be aborted to save the mother's life. If toward the end of the pregnancy, complications arise that threaten the mother's health, the doctor will induce labor or perform a cesarean section. His intention is to save the life of both the mother and the baby. The baby's life is never willfully destroyed because the mother's life is in danger. Also think about it like this. If the mother's life's in danger, tell me of an instance where if we abort the baby, the mother can now live. Right. I mean, what, what medical case is that? Right. If, if there's an ectopic pregnancy, the baby can't survive anyways because the baby's in the fallopian tube. Right? right. But also bear in mind that there's false diagnosis all the time. My son, Nathaniel, which means gift of God or given by God, he's 20 years old right now. But I went to the emergency room because my wife was having strong abdominal pains. We found there inside the emergency room that my wife was pregnant. We had no idea. Hmm. The doctor said it is an ectopic pregnancy. So we need to go perform surgery and remove uh, this problem. I had two other doctors come in there, two other emergency room doctors come in there and said, yeah, it is our professional opinion where we believe that your wife has an ectopic pregnancy. And I said, well, I'm just curious if you'd go in there to perform the surgery and my baby is not in the fallopian tube, but it is in fact in the womb and there's something else going on, will this terminate the pregnancy? And the doctor said, yes, this will terminate the pregnancy. And it was as if God gave me a measure of faith to believe that the baby was inside the womb and not the fallopian tube. And I said, I will not allow you to perform the surgery. The doctor looked at me and said, you just killed your wife. An orderly came in and grabbed a hold of the gurney that my wife was on. And I was playing tug of war with the gurney with my wife on there because they wanted to go bring, in their, bring her in there for surgery to perform an ectopic pregnancy surgery. When in fact, my wife simply had a cyst that released a Coke can worth of blood into her system was not an ectopic, ectopic pregnancy. And now I have a 20-year-old son who is alive today because I fought for him there inside the emergency room. So the doctors don't always get it right. Uh, you know, let, let me just say that. Um, but sometimes mother's lives are in danger. And what do we do? Um, it's not an abortion. They go to the emergency room and we try to save both. That's yes. what we try to do, but it's not an abortion. Yeah, and, and I also think this argument kind of um, implies that there is a baby could be born, could not be born, might survive, might not survive, and they go to the doctor and to just kind of make it not be not survive. No, you're you're actively killing the baby. That's right. You are going in there with forceps and uh, whatever instruments they use to stop that baby from continuing to live, and it's not like 
the mother could die, the baby's there, you know, and they just kind of took care of the problem. You, you have to, you have to murder the child. And I think, you know, especially for me, who I'm, I'm instinctively against it. I asked someone recently, like, well, what do they do? Because I don't know what they do. You know, it's never been a thought in my mind. I'm just against abortion. But you're, you're, you're killing the child. And I think some of these languages, and I know you, you do a great job of answering this. It, it's, it's euphemisms to make it sound like it's something like they just go there and they have a talk with the doctor. The doctor says, you know, you just don't have the baby this time. No, you have to literally go in there and say, I'm going to stop this child from being born. Period. End of story. And potentially, like you said, you might die. We're not going to try to figure out anything out. We're just going to take it out. And you cannot decide that two weeks after you're pregnant, three weeks after you're pregnant. It's, it's not possible to know that. There's no, only God can know something like that. Yeah. And I think that, um, so obviously uh, there are many people who say, well, you know, I'm pro-life except for these three reasons. And so that would be one of them. And the other two would be, you know, rape and incest. But I mean, if somebody came up with these reasons, I would say, well, I, I can't, I can't see how you're pro-life except, 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 uh, what do you say about the rape and incest and them using these three, uh, points of argumentation to say, well, I am pro-life except. Yeah. Let, let me say this, because usually we go for these extreme cases that are less than 1%. Yes. But sometimes these questions that are asked, these objections right. that are brought forth, they're not trying to see if the baby has a heartbeat, but to see if you pro-lifers have a heartbeat. Don't you care? Yes. I mean, don't you care that this mother was raped or that this is a, a, a product of incest? So I do think that we need to handle these conversations with a, uh, a delicate tone. Yes. Right. I might say something along the lines of, well, if I were to concede, and I'm not willing to do that, but I want to see what you're willing to concede where you're at with this. If I was willing to concede to the fact that abortion should be legal only in the cases of rape and incest, are you willing to concede that we should eliminate abortion in all the other cases, the 99% of the other cases? And when they say no, I say, well, then why bring up the question and the point of rape and incest? You don't really care yourself about the rape and the incest victim yeah. you only are trying to uh skirt around the the conversation remember that norma mccorvey she the whole case of roe v wade she said that she was raped that's why it went before the texas uh court of law and then ultimately the u.s supreme court only to say after much many years later that she was not raped mm. right so a lot of times women will lie and say that they were raped to try to protect their name because it's so much easier uh, to go down uh, that route. But we have to remember that both the mother and the baby are, are both victims. You don't take care of one problem by eliminating, by creating another problem, right? I mean, there's no other civilized society in the world where we say, hey, I'm going to punish the child for the crime of the father. I mean, think about that. So the father's a rapist or the father's guilty. So therefore we're going to kill the child. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. So we go back to that first premise. What is the preborn? There's also, there's an argument out there that's very, you guys are probably very familiar with it. It's called trot out the toddler. You know, it's very simple. It goes like this. If the argument doesn't work after the child is born, then it doesn't work before the child is born. So 
imagine if I were to say, I'm talking to a guy and the guy says, you know, well, what if the, what if the mother was raped? And I said, well, listen, you could be the product of rape. Your dad came home in a drunken rage and raped your mother. And now you're here. Does your mom have the right to be able to murder you because you're a product of rape now? He goes, well, no, because I'm already alive. Well, so is the preborn baby already alive. What right. you're saying is he's not in the world yet. No, he is in the world, just a different location. And this is where that whole um, Stephen Schwartz came up with a really great argument, an acronym SLED, the size, the level of development, right. the environment. And then the degree of dependency, I won't get into those right now. If we have time, maybe I will. But yeah. that's the whole idea. The difference between the preborn and the newborn are really only those four levels of development. And right. so if it is a preborn human being creating the image of God, well, then we can't kill that human being. But it's also telling of this. If you're saying that rape victims do not deserve to... Uh, have a child and that they rape people that have been raped do not deserve to live then you're saying anybody that has ever been a product of rape they don't deserve to live think about that for a moment it's like saying well the child is deformed we don't want to have uh, that deformed child in the world well that's very telling about what you feel when you see somebody in a wheelchair Right. You feel like that, you know, they're a menace to society no a civilized society takes care of people that uh, are not like the rest of us, right? We give them handicap placards. They can park closer to the store. We allow them to sit towards the front of the bus or a subway. We don't kill them, right? We uh, we take care of them. That's what civilized societies do. Now, so I have one that kind of surprised me. I had a family member um, who had two children and, you know, having a conversation with her and she said, you know, and I thought it was only on the same page, grew up together that, you know, she's, you know, anti-abortion. She said, well, I'm for abortion because I see a lot of women on TV who have the baby and then put them in a dumpster. And I, I just, and have you heard that argument before? This idea that some people have the baby and kill them after anyway. So it's. Yeah. I, well, we have safe haven. Uh places all throughout the United in all 50 states now when somebody does have a baby you can drop that baby off at any fire station or police station and they will take without no questions asked you're not going to get uh the fifth degree you're able to simply give that baby there's a huge list of people that want to adopt a baby if we were to stop giving 450 million dollars towards Planned Parenthood instead give that towards adoptive and foster care systems we would take care of the problem that we now have. I, mm. I personally think that a, a woman who has an abortion, that we should set some strict laws in place and there should be some punishment, especially for the abortionist doctor who does something, but also we should do it towards a woman who has an abortion. We, sh we should begin to call these things murder, right? And, um, we don't allow it after the child is born. I mean, it's horrific when a, when a mother, I just saw a video recently where a mother threw her newborn baby in a dumpster. Yeah. And, you know, and it made national news. Well, why is that national news? Exactly. What's the difference? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, if it's, it's her body, she should be able to drink and smoke alcohol. If she wants, she should be able to use her tummy as a punching bag. If it's her body. 
six I, inches, right? Six inches in the womb, out of the womb, uh, yeah, something like that. Birth canal. Yeah. I think Phil, I think you asked the question earlier, like why why is it so pervasive? But that's another reason. It's hidden. You go into the Planned Parenthood, yep. they do the little thing, you walk out, you, you don't have to tell your parents, it's anonymous, it's encouraged, you get an award for doing it, it's actually a, a badge of honor. And it's like, but when you throw a baby in a dumpster, then it's it's in everyone's face. And you know, no, it's it's the same thing. It's actually more heinous in in secret. You know, because then we can see there's something wrong with that woman and that woman needs help for doing that. Now you're you're kind of progressive and you're thought to be an intelligent person to destroy it, the life in your, your body. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that's hidden. And I think and I think we're going to talk about a little bit more about the pro-life ministry and things like that is that we, we shine a light on it. And that's what is so disturbing to people is that we don't talk about those kind of things. Well, why not? If it's such a, if it is something that you're proud of, something you're wearing shirts about and marching for, then why do you have to hide it? I've, I've never been ashamed to talk about the gospel. I've never hid and been like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to Bible study. Like I'm very proud of the things that I believe in, but you guys say you are proud of it, but you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to discuss the process. You want to name euphemisms and and abortions and, and ending a life and pro-choice and all those other words when you know what it is. Wear a shirt with the forceps on it, showing that this is what happens with the baby. And then I'll, I will at least respect you that you're consistent with what you're, you're saying, but they don't do that. It's very frustrating. I know everyone here is frustrated by that. It's, it's sad is, is, yeah. is what you really want to say. When somebody yeah. says that they're personally pro-life, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to say, well, why are you personally pro-life? Is there something wrong with abortion? <laughs> or somebody says, well, nobody really likes to have an abortion. I go, why, why is that? Yeah. 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 yeah asking questions to, to get people to think and really expound upon what they believe, because some people have never really questioned why they believe what they believe. <laughs> um why do you think that churches should be on the advance on this issue and where it seems that many have been on the defensive end of things and, and what repercussions happen when we're not on the advance? Well, Christ is the answer, right? So the, the, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. If, if we don't discuss Christ into the equation, then we're just getting people to practice safe sex. Remember that, whatever that is, right? Because there's no such thing as safe sex unless we're going to talk about in the confines of marriage between right. a man and a wife, uh, specifically and strategically. Um, so the church should be on the advance on this because the enemy, the world is on the advance with this. It's not going to just quietly uh, go away. So it's really that simple. If Christ is the answer to man's biggest dilemma, then we need to bring him into the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nick, I have a question for you, because I know this is something that's on your heart. You've been thinking about it. I know you and Phil have, have made this a, a mission. What would, you, what would you say to the argument that, hey, I'm a Christian. My mission is to spread the gospel. This is a side thing. You know, we shouldn't be spending capital on this, this issue. Um, we, we're against it. But our time we better spent just talking about the gospel. It's poppycock. <laughs> <laughs> All that. 
I heard the guy say that in that movie. What's his Peter Pan? Ever <laughs> since I heard that, it was stuck to me. I've always wanted to be able to use that word, by the way. So I agree. I agree with you on that. <laughs> You've had that need met tonight, Nick. <laughs> I mean, it is a gospel issue, right? Because um, I, I just feel like at the end of the day, we could we could give all these convincing arguments. You know, it's a life. It's this. It's that. But at the end of the day, you know, you really just don't care. You are going to, you want to kill that baby. You, you know, in your heart that it's a life, you know, you probably slipped up and said in the process of your pregnancy, no matter how short it's been, it's a baby, you know? So, so let's, let's just keep it real. It's, 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 it's your sin nature that's acting out. You've picked your poison. You want to murder a baby, you know? And 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 that automatically gives me the the it already puts me in the lane to to give you the gospel because that's what you need. You know, there's nobody that doesn't need the gospel. And and as far as um thinking concerning the gospel, out of all the time periods <clears throat> that God could have brought Christ into the world, uh, an old man. Uh, you know, a, a middle-aged man, a young man, a teenager, a toddler. He brought Christ into the world as a baby through the birth canal. Uh, how does Mark? What do you think? How does that play into this whole um, uh, ministry of pro-life? That Christ was once a fetus himself. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean. It's something that I, I actually say in passing, right, that the pre-incarnate uh, Christ was once a fetus himself. You know, Ronald Reagan said, um, what was his, what's his famous quote that? Uh, I notice everyone who is who pro-abortion is abortion has already been, been born. born. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we have to remember that all of the argumentation is really on the pro-life side, which demonstrates that there is no logical reason for somebody to have an abortion that it is just straight out demonic, right? Herod attempted to kill every um, child under, what was it, two, three years of age? You know, it's, it's nothing new. Or we saw with Moloch in the Old Testament. Um, people have always attempted to get rid of uh, that problem, but that problem will never go away. People are will be haunted forever. And so the only solution, the only way to be able to move forward is to uh, give yourself over to Christ. Inside uh, my film, I, I talked to a woman who, in front of her friends, she admits to having an abortion. And her two closest friends that are right there, they look at her and they said, I had no idea. You know, how far along were you? And then they begin to have a conversation. I kept recording it and I said, Listen, you know, I just want to share with you about your worth as a human being. And she had been in and out of foster care. She said she was in a bad place. She was on drugs. The guy was abusive. And so she began to rationalize it. But she said, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that child. Mm, Yet none exactly. of her friends knew. She yeah. was locked up in her mind, continually being haunted by the choices that she made. And there was a well-known uh, curator from a mental hospital that said, if I could forgive all of the people that are in here from their past sins and crimes against humanity, 
I believe that every mental hospital would just simply shut down. Saying that people are continually haunted by the things that they've done. So the only hope that people will ever find is in Christ. Everything else is a band-aid. And that's why the pre-incarnate Christ uh, came into the world. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And there's nothing or anyone more lost than somebody who has murdered another fellow human being created in the image of God. And, 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 and I just want to take another few minutes. I know we, we have a, a couple things more to speak about, but I was just thinking about as you were speaking that, you know, we're all fathers here and all the things that are being said about children and the inconvenience and, you know, they're not alive and whatever. I know that I was fundamentally changed when I became a father, you know, there are things that I do now that I wouldn't have done. There is a, a level of, of, of um, dependence and, and, and um, I'm, I'm not getting the right word, but you know, I was not dependable before. And it, it forces you because you recognize now the importance of life. It, it, you recognize now um, that you're not, it's not just you alone. It, 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 it's a level of selfishness that gets taken away from you. Like, I, do you guys have a word to say, well, like what, what's the, the benefit of children? I think that's another thing. People don't realize it's not toil and being up late and, 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 and torture. It's, it's, it's actually a gift that God gives us. The Bible says it's a gift. And I think even people who have children who are making this argument don't think about the, the gift that God has given them. They only think about the problems. You know, ki kids are a lot of fun to they become teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> well, our, I mean, our parents Don't give the secret away, for, Nick Yeah, I mean, our parents sacrificed And were inconvenienced by, yeah. by our lives Yeah Right, yeah. so back to what Ronald Reagan said You know, everybody who's seen to be uh, pro-choice right now Has already been born And so, you know They're the exception to the rules they make for themselves <laughs> Exactly um, Our moms, you know, whatever happened, you know uh, cramps and, and vomiting and morning sickness and, and all the other stuff that, that they experienced. Um, they were willing to experience it because why the joy that comes forth from having a child. And even afterwards, there's still inconvenience <laughs> when the, you know, when we came out of our, of our parents, uh, of our mother's womb, um, we still inconvenience their lives. And, 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 um, and if it, and if it's so bad, why would Mark, your wife have five? if it's such <laughs> it's like i you know why do we you have you have two daughters you have a like why why are we having multiple children if it's so horrible i i, I just it, i just find it really hard to buy that it's an inconvenience mm -hmm. you know because not for nothing but anybody's going to sacrifice whatever they need to sacrifice to get what they want yeah namely that baby yeah. So that you can struggle and do whatever, whatever goals you might have. You know what I'm saying? Like, like one of the ladies that, that was at the, that was on the line to go into the clinic. I think the first time we went, she said she has something to the effect of five kids, but you know, she was on her way to abort the sixth one or, or six, six going on to seven. Yes. So seven going on eight. Yeah. So she, <laughs> and she was on her way. And, and I'm like, so that what that one, you got like six or seven kids and that one baby it's going to push over that. It's going to break the bull's back <laughs> and autom automatically you can't handle that one baby now. You know, I just I just find it to be an excuse to continue in your sin. Mm. Yeah. You know, if somebody says, well, I already have five kids, you know, I go, no, you already have six kids. 
Yes. Yeah. Amen. Right. You're, <laughs> True story. The, the, the child is still there. It would actually be safer if you just killed one of your children that are already alive. Yes. Than to kill the one in your, your womb. Mm-hmm. Kill the one that eats the most. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to kind of pull this this question together. Uh, how would you um, counsel uh, someone or a church to begin a pro-life ministry? And what advice would you give to someone leading such a ministry? This is an easy, easy question uh, to answer. And that is, I, I would have a, a closet filled with uh, formula and diapers and high chairs and things of that nature. Uh, I would allow the people inside my congregation to give strategically and specifically uh, to mothers in need, whether that be single or low-income uh, families. Start there. You know, you can also go to uh, some of the whatever what was it, 900 Planned Parenthoods across the United States. And I think that there's um, 3,500 or so sort of abortion mills uh, across uh, the United States, not including actual hospitals that provide the services. But I would say start with a closet filled with uh, clothing, have a, a baby boutique where people can come and grab things and have an annual fundraiser to be able to put things inside there. And when your, your neighborhood realizes that you are a beacon of hope for those that are in need, you're going to have people that will come to you and they will realize and recognize, oh no, this church doesn't want to look down on me. They want to help me, which also means I would have perhaps a single mother's uh, ministry, at least an individual inside the church that can reach out and uh, be a listening ear uh, to those. You don't need to set up uh, free ultrasounds and things of that nature. You can start with what you do have, and God will bless the five loaves and fishes into uh, a way to be able to take care of the masses within your circle of influence. You know, never negate what you can do. We begin to throw in the towel and think, well, there's so much to do. I, I won't do anything at all. No, start with a can of formula, you know, or start with a, a package of diapers. You know, I just want to make an announcement. If there's anybody here who needs any diapers, we have a package of diapers size two that was donated. Mm-hmm. And if nobody needs it, we're going to put it inside the closet, you know, over there where people can come and grab at will. And there might be some food in there as well. So... Um, Mark, is there any maybe uh, final thing that you would share that we haven't addressed, uh, maybe connecting with other ministries that, that do have um, you know, uh, ways to help in addition to what you already shared for local church to do, ministries that will give free ultrasounds, free counseling, things like that? Well, I, I mean, I know of one local here. I mean, my future daughter-in-law you know, so she's engaged to my son. She works at a pro-life clinic. Uh, I'd always love to give her uh, a little bit of a shout out. She's an amazing uh, girl, Jessica. Uh, her uh, website, livingwell, living-well.org. It's a pro-life clinic here in the city of Orange in Southern California. They offer uh, ultrasounds and they have a baby boutique and they offer uh, counseling, both pre and post uh, uh, abortion or whatever it may be, but there are a lot, there's a lot of pro-life uh, clinics out there. I know that uh, Todd Friel 
a good friend of mine. He's got a pro-life clinic that he uh, locally supports uh, as well. There's also some, listen, there's some really good books and stuff out there in order to just become equipped. You know, sure. I mentioned uh, Stephen Schwartz with his uh, sled, but there's also some really good stuff out there. I mean, the greatest book I ever read concerning uh, abortion uh, and how to deal with and conversations was written by a Catholic woman named Stephanie Gray. I'm not going to go link arms with different Catholics that are out there, but some Catholics have led the charge on how to deal with the subject. And there is not a book out there as great as Stephanie Gray's book when it deals with the compassionate heart that we need to have. You know, there's Scott Klusendorf and Randy Alcorn, you know, a couple of really great brothers, Seth Gruber. He's the future of the pro-life movement. He's a young guy that uh, debates so well on this subject. Nobody even comes close, you know, to him, the way he's able to uh, debate on the subject, you know, and then I would also read uh, pro-choice individuals, you know, from Peter Sanger, who wrote the book on ethics that is written in, uh, and accepted in all the Ivy League schools. He argues for infanticide up to 29 days, you know, his, I think his personal belief is up to five years, you know, um, so I would read as much stuff as I possibly can. And I would uh, try to figure out all the different pro-life clinics that are in your area. And I would attend as many fundraisers as I possibly can. I do. I try to attend every pro-life fundraiser within my radius of like a hundred miles every single year. And I give funds towards uh, ones that are solid. There's yeah. a lot of uh, ones that are not biblically sound, but I pr uh, support the ones that are. Amen. Amen. Well, you, you actually hit the last question already about recommended resources. Uh, can you give your website again uh, for us? Um, both. Yeah. Living well, uh, livingwaters.com is uh, my website, living waters. That's with uh, Ray comfort, uh, myself, uh, Emil Zwayne and uh, Oscar Navarro. Um, you can also look me up on social media. If you're looking for somebody to follow, follow Jesus. But if you want to be uh, <laughs> perhaps hopefully inspired uh, buy some things and you can, uh, look me up on social media. So. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark, really appreciate your time, brother. Um, let's close in a word of prayer and, and, uh, let's just pray for, uh, for your ministry and what we're doing on the front lines as well in Queens at the largest abortion clinic, um, in Queens called choices. Uh, we had a dozen people come out, I believe last Saturday, um, and so people from our church um, have, have have kind of caught the heartbeat, um, you know, of this thing, uh, of this ministry. So, uh, Mark, why don't you close in a word of prayer? Yeah. Father, as atrocious and as evil as uh, the abortion conversation is, we trust that you are bigger than all of this and it's amazing to think that a, a million babies are uh, aborted every year in the united states alone 42 million worldwide every year god would you do something would you raise up the william wilberforces the diedrich bonhoeffers uh, the the people who will uh, be a voice to the voiceless we commit, we submit, we ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, really do whatever needs to be done to be glorified 
We ask these things for your glory, for our good. Show the people, show us what the next step is and help us never grow weary while doing good, knowing that one with God will always be in the majority. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for your time, Mark. Really appreciate it. Amen. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a blessed night. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye, Mark. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.